0: I can't let you go without speaking briefly, and you have a chapter on it, on the big gospel passage on love and law, and that's the Beatitudes. Briefly, what are you saying about the Beatitudes? They're powerful. I I think it was Gandhi who said that the Beatitudes were, um, well, he didn't believe Jesus was God, but he said the Beatitudes were the most sublime utterance ever stated by a human being. And I think that's, I think that's right. But I think word, again, I I think the bad translation of uh, makaros, the blessing in Greek, the bad translation of that is that it's happy are you. We tend, thank God these days, to say blessed are you. But I go for a little exploration in the book about what was the blessing that Jesus was talking about. Like, what's a blessing in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew Scriptures? And a blessing in the Old Testament wasn't a little divine pat on the human head. It was about saying if you're poor or you're in grief or you're struggling for justice or your um, reputation is getting trashed or you're struggling you know, with the things of the earth, I can be found there. Uh, The blessing is within the experience. And I find that a wonderful idea. Again, it's incarnational, but it means that um, it's not saying it's okay to be poor. We're trying to eradicate poverty. We're not canonizing poverty. So we've got to work to change those unjust structures that keep people poor. That's the call of the gospel as well. But it does say that in and through that experience of being poor, you can find me and I will be there with you in it. Blessed are those who mourn or who are in grief. Both of those translations are around these days. They shall be comforted. Well, the comfort that we find in through the funeral rituals and through helping each other with pain is that God can be found in that experience. We don't God has, doesn't have to be bereft of it. We don't have to feel as though God is not present. And how do we find God? In and through, I guess, the love of all of those around us, the kindness of people who can step forward and really look after us in our grief. And in the hunger and thirst for justice, that our call to be just in the church and to be just in society... God's at the barricades. God's there saying, write that letter, call that parliamentarian, make sure that talk to Talk Back radio because it's important that this unjust situation or the voiceless have a voice. And a very tough one, when they revile you and speak all sorts of calumny against you on my account, rejoice and be glad because this is what was done to the prophets. So, again, that's a tough one, even when you're being defamed. I know friends of mine who I think are speaking the gospel very, very powerfully. And in social media, they are pilloried. I'm thinking of one American Jesuit quite strongly now. And that man puts up with an unbelievable amount of abuse, sometimes from fellow Catholics who, like Paul, thinking they're doing the right thing when they trash his reputation. They speak about him terribly. Some of them have even given him death threats. Um, Now, he's trying to proclaim the gospel to a group of people who are completely alienated from church and often from society. And he's trying, I think, rightly, and Francis would support him, in giving them an opportunity to come into the life of the church. Come back. You've loved. You're forgiven. You're special. You're loved by God, um, as we all are. Now, that's a tough one. When you're right out on that wing, on behalf of all of us, on behalf of the gospel, and that you're being pilloried, when all sorts of calumny is set against you. So I just try and un- unpack the language and give the modern applications of what it means. And there the blessing can be. A blessing is within the experience. And then all of a sudden, I think the, uh, the attitudes go from not just an absolutely powerful statement about um, Jesus' mission in the world and our participation in it, but that, where the Spirit abides with us still, I'm with you until the end of time, is that it's really about stepping with us one step at a time. I talk about, I think, one of the most undervalued theological constructs that, at least in Christian Christian history, it's been undervalued, which is Jesus' friend. Jesus himself, in John's Gospel, really plays it up. It's incredible that we've somehow let this go. We've talked about Jesus as our brother, our lover, our companion, but Jesus as our friend. And the Beatitudes are all about the friendship of God in and through every experience of our life, that you choose your friends you reveal yourself to your friends. You work hard to keep friends. You're attentive to them. Sometimes you don't talk to them for a while. You can pick up where you left off. I think that works with Jesus. There's a lot, you know, sometimes you feel alienated, misunderstood, angry. You've got to work through issues. There are so many levels on which that paradigm works in Christian theology. And the reason I like it is because it's about accompaniment. That our your best friend goes through all of these experiences with you, and you know you can pick up the phone, you know you can go over, you can know you can be unannounced. You can know that they can walk in and say, I'm in trouble. I'm not. You're not putting on the brave face for them anymore. So I think that's what the Beatitudes are all about. They're saying, don't put on the brave face. I'm in it with you i an accompanying, I am your friend. And rather than that being a childish concept, I think that's a profoundly adult idea. And deeply consoling, that's the God we believe in. This is the God revealed definitively in Jesus Christ, the face of God for the word, persona in Greek, one God, three faces, Father, Son, and Spirit, the human face is in Jesus Christ. And then Jesus goes one step further, of course, particularly in John's Gospel, and said, "'To have seen me is to have seen the Father.'" I do nothing on my own. The Father and I are one. So if this is what Jesus is like as our utterly co-committant friend through every experience of our life. That's what God's like, because this is definitively revealed in Jesus Christ. It's just a question of finding new, sometimes different, sometimes modern language to uh, express these most ancient, magnificent wisdoms. Your book which I'm sure many people will want to read, especially having listened to you, is called The Law of Love, Modern Language for Ancient Wisdom. It is published by Paulist Press. Available here in Ireland? It is, yes. Um, I think Auburn Books in the UK distribute here, but I, I hope all good booksellers, and particularly um, Catholic bookstores, would be easily able to get it in. Certainly already available in Ireland in some places. And can we got online as well? Oh, very much so. Amazon or Paulus Amazon, Press? Amazon, Booktopia, Paulus Press itself. Any plans to do it on Audible? I'd love to. I'm now the parish priest of a probably, arguably, one of the busiest parishes in Sydney. And so finding the time... What people would find unusual, maybe, when you've written a book, you think you just read it and you can sit down and read it. I, I have done uh, Where the Hell is God? Was only a little book, a shorter book than this one. Oh, it took days. It's amazing how tired you get. Uh, you muck up your own work. And then you actually look at it and while you're reading it, you think, actually, I want to say that a bit differently now. (laughs) And so you want to revise your own text, which ends up deadly for the whole process. So I'd love to do it, but it's a question of finding the time. If Dame Judi Dench or Stephen Fry, um, (laughs) you know, if they'd like to come and do it, I'd be very open to all offers. (laughs) Thank you very much indeed. We wish you all the best with it and with your new position in St Mary's in Sydney. Richard Leonard, thank you. Thanks, Pat. It's always a joy to be with you.